Hey guys. Um, oh, hello. Hey guys. Started. Thanks for the ER recommendation and Jackson Hole. Really appreciate it. You yeah. got hey, it. If any of our more or less pod use pod listeners out there, we need a name for these folks. Um, ever get injured in Jackson Hole? Just hit me or Dave up with a DM, and we know the local doctor. It's Dave's cousin, so we yeah. saved Jessica and Sam's son's life last week. Not really, but oh, like just his, just his head. Wait, just his mom, head. Our moms, <laughs> our moms are going to listen to this. Yeah, there was no, okay. There was no life saving. Hey, well, let's just say the gash. Went so deep in his head, it impacted the skull and the skull. No, uh, no, you know, no, no. like you can just thank it. us forever. Okay, <laughs> poor Wilder Lessing got six stitches thanks to a coffee table, Ooh. and I am determined he will not have a scar because I am doing the best in scar prep. But I'm sad that I know I the story think- now because I thought it was climbing the Grand you Teton. Thought it was yeah. climbing the Grand. It yeah. was our library. But thank you guys. We're grateful. This is what friends are for and for podcasts. So, <laughs> um, and how fun that we kind of got our first episode out. What was that like for you guys? Any fun, fun reaction? <laughs> I think a lot of people really like the name. So that's good. That was my yeah. contribution to this podcast. We, yes. We named what, what this was our text thread name for years, right? Yeah. Thanks to yeah. Brit. Yeah. I'm just a fan yeah. of puns. So anytime we could, and Dave, yeah. Dave created the logo with Figma. I was telling Dave the other day, I think this is a lesson in entrepreneurship. The four of us are entrepreneurs and investors, but like we just kind of experimented with this. We sort of did it in public and we like the way the four of us just all, made this happen in like a few days was kind of magical and amazing. And I appreciate okay, that about well, all of you. Keep, let's keep the journey going. And thank you all for being part of it. Yeah. I mean, this could go good. This could go terribly and then this we'd be done. So, terrible. you know, let's not, <laughs> let's not, let's not. Go, let's not. Full fry festival. Full fry. Yeah. Um, I think we've got two topics of debate um, based off the headlines this week. So um, one that we've been talking about is sort of what's happening with social business models off Reddit charging more for its API fees and the firestorm that created. And um, the second is what the hell is happening in venture capital. Britt, where should we start? I think we should start with Reddit because I, okay. I, I think something that a lot of the audience might not know is that Sam and Dave were both early employees at Facebook, now Meta, and worked on various social APIs over the years. And I am curious to hear their reaction to this. Jess, you and I worked in media for several years. And so we understand a lot about business well, models of content. I think the fun part of this, the story of Facebook slash Meta's APIs is there is an argument and there's always multiple sides of this, that Dave's role in it was starting it and my role in it was shutting it down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No question. More, more and less. Yes. Well, you're talking but about you APIs, never charged right? for it. Yeah. You, Facebook never charged for its APIs. Why didn't you guys charge for your APIs? Well, I think in the in the beginning we were very early. I mean, in the in the very early days, uh, we were one of the first uh, web-based systems to even have an API. I mean, when we were first working on it, we had to go over to Salesforce and ask those guys how to you know write a SOAP API or a REST API, and we had to do all this uh, very technical Salesforce? stuff. That you went to Salesforce to ask these questions? Yeah, there were only two places ex- back that then. There was eBay. So much. That explains was, so much. Yeah, there was <laughs> eBay and there was Salesforce. And Salesforce had a the Sockle uh, uh, query language. And um, yeah, anyway, 
we started out there and back then, I mean, the notion of charging for an API wasn't even remotely in the zeitgeist. I mean, I don't think anybody was even remotely thinking no about it. Charging for <laughs> Look, I, I will only talk about this for a lot of reasons in the full abstract, but here's the story that That's I would, no, I, there are reasons I can only talk about this fully in the abstract, but in the full yeah, abstract, there's reasons both of us can only talk about it in the abstract. Here's what I basically say is like, if you unroll to when, you know, the last generation of social APIs, right? The first generation of social APIs, there was at the time, this really big debate between this data on social networks being opened or closed. Right. And there was this whole yeah. community early yeah. on that was clamoring saying, Hey, it's bad news and not good for the ecosystem that Facebook has all the data and they should share all the data so you can build. And, and interestingly, there was, as with many people, there, there was this big argument that, if, you know, in the days of the open web, that if you opened up data and opened up access, all these amazing experiences could be built, right? Yeah. And at the same time, the interesting thing is the counter to that is if you have open APIs, you have a lot more control. I'm sorry, you lose a lot of control over things like privacy, Right. Which is like, for instance, if you have an API, right, where I could say, hey, I have all my friends, I'm going to like share that list of friends with the world. That's super useful for me. And like, that's super cool in the open spirit. But that cuts against any control that you want the platform to be able to exert over protecting data and things like that. And so I think what you've seen over the last generation has been, it wasn't directly about charging for data at all, but there was this interesting, effectively cycle of the world wants open APIs and openness to the world wants privacy and security to the world wants openness, to the world wants privacy. And there's no answer. It's a, it's an endless cycle of debate back and forth. You know, what's added... Why are we seeing this now? I think Reddit's move is a business challenge, right? This well, is a but, but it, yeah, like and, an IPO and all that. Well, what I'd say is interesting is, you know, it's, it's not just more that Twitter's move is like shutting off their APIs, right? Like right. Yeah. Twitter actually had this kind of open strategy for a while and that, they, and that worked really well for them early on. They had no resources. So they had other people build all their apps and they built an ecosystem like early tweet deck, early, all this stuff. And then when Elon took over, he kind of put the nail in the coffin because candidly, that doesn't make sense for a platform where you need native ads, right? To like run and be clicked on in order to make money, right? So you saw Twitter shut it all down Although, for that purpose. I don't see why you couldn't uh, distribute an ad API and require that your uh, client developers, you know, display ads. Um, you know, because and it's also important to note that Twitter's not Facebook, powerful enough to do that. Like Apple might be powerful enough to do that, right? Where they can say, hey, you know, and they, they have done that with things like their payments APIs. They say, hey, if you want to be on our platform, you know, then like you're going to use our payment shit, right? I don't think Twitter's powerful enough to have done a move like that. I do think they're powerful enough to say, eh, we're yanking the APIs because it just makes no economic sense for us to have open data. And no one's yeah. going to stop using the platform because there's not open data. So fuck you guys, right? Like, um, it's AI factoring into these decisions. Yeah, okay. it does seem like that's a big component of it here, which is that, you know, these data sets suddenly became extremely valuable. And so particularly at the firehose yeah. level. And I do also well, want yeah. to point out that early on at Facebook, we did never allow uh, clients to be built. You know, we did a lot of various APIs that you could build a lot of different things with, but we were very specific in not allowing clients, um, but largely for this reason. But enforcing that and like, I mean, the, the problem basically with all of these kind of systems, you're either open or closed. And unless you're Apple and going to put ridiculous amounts of resources into like app review at massive scale, it's really hard. Once data's out, it's out. 
right? It's really yeah. hard to have data sort of be out or have APIs sort of be open. And so, yeah. look, look, the, the, the AI thing is a really, I mean, you can go back through history. This is not new. Like, remember when Twitter was trying to sell its fire hose to Google, right? And there's yeah. this whole generation of business deals around the value of data in different forms. I think the thing that I think is super interesting about AI is like, it's just one of those things where people just weren't paying attention Right. And so when you basically say it's, it's, it's like trash collecting, like you had basically, let's imagine like, you know, all these social networks had these AP, open APIs, they were kind of useful, whatever, but they were just like chucking all this trash out the back and no one was guarding it. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, that trash is gold. Right. We got to like <laughs> fucking lock, you got to lock down the trash bins. Right. And like, <laughs> who and, knew where we were trash collectors the whole time? It's like the, the APIs are just like, it's like, it's, what do you actually do with them at scale? It's like, you know, the, it turns out that if you throw all the world's language into a big pile and index it all against itself, holy shit, you can build some cool stuff. Right. And like, yeah, like I, I think shame on those platforms for being open without a clear business model around it for too long. Um, you know, I think shame on, is there more ratcheting? Like, do we think are there other platforms that will take this approach? I mean, the Reddit users are to the point that like the CEO is saying, don't wear your Reddit t-shirt in public because someone might attack you. Like, well, that's because of all the adult content that's now not no longer on Reddit that they were maybe addicted to. I'm actually really like, is there a statistic out there about the percentage of Reddit content that is adult content? that's now eva- like evaporated. Well, that's the, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a fu- that's another business idea. I Look, think this is a, a new, a yeah, funny... more or less business idea. One every episode. <laughs> Reddit, <laughs> Reddit for porn. I mean, like, here's the thing, you know, that there's a funny like TikTok slash Instagram meme about this where some like tech CEO, like some, some engineer comes in and is like, sir, I'm sorry to report that like, like one, percent of our website is like porn and he's like one percent that's terrible it's like oh no i mean 100 percent of our internet everything is porn like i think like <laughs> reddit is i mean the internet's for porn and reddit's for porn right well, you, um, it, has there been has there been a lot of discussion about like where that traffic is going or is it like is this a real literally yeah, like an open I mean, opportunity i think one of the interesting things this morning was that the uh somebody did an analysis that google search results are meaningfully uh worse off today mm. because of the reddit um stuff going on and so wow. you've got kind of this turducken effect happening across niche you know communities and that's kind of the question that i'm the most interested in here which is how long does this last for certain niche communities and where do they go do they go to discord do they you know build something new like does this reddit developer apollo like build some apis and uh you know uh boot up some new communities like to me it's actually kind of exciting i think it's discord like i basically think the public web is dead right? The internet, it's just dead. And like AI is the nail in the coffin because there's no economic model anymore to publish content. You're hurting my heart over here, Sam. I mean, it also WhatsApp. I agree. I mean, it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. Web three, like discord, WhatsApp. Yeah. Web three drove a lot of traffic into discord and other apps. And the thing is though, like, you know, with a company I launched called BFF, like you hire moderators for these large discord channels and Reddit wasn't hiring paying moderators. And actually I, I read a statistic that well, like 
if you paid all the moderators in a lot of these subreddits, $20 an hour, let's say, like it'd be a few million dollars a year that Reddit would spend just on moderation. Whoa, whoa, whoa. But, but Brit, but Brit, Discord isn't hiring those people. You're hiring those people. Oh, I know. Right? Oh, like, I'm just saying for it, like right? well so, like, done moderation of subtopics. And so like maybe people will, will volunteer again, but I'm just saying like, there's also like these people were doing this for free and will that whatever new niche like subtopic discords that exist need paid moderators? Is that part of a business model? Like, I don't know how that would all work. Were they doing it for free or were they doing it for social currency and cloud? Like, I I think free is a hard concept in some of this stuff. Again, I'm not disagreeing. Like, I think they were doing it for clout for sure. uh, I do think that, um, I'm a hundred percent a believer in private spaces that will be booted everywhere. And, you know, ironically, like, you know, it'll be places like, you know, where the porn's going to go. It's going to go to like big iMessage groups and Apple Hmm. won't talk about it. They won't talk about it because it's all encrypted, so they so they don't know. But like What's the reality no, is, what iMessage groups honest. are you in, I Sam? Know. Yeah, Sam. How yeah, do we get into yeah. these groups? Yeah. Well, that's the thing about that's a, that's the, the thing about plausible deniability and encryption. <laughs> if you're if you're Apple, right? Can you can say, we "Oh, we don't." I'll pay for your OnlyFans group, Sam. Don't worry. I see billboards all over saying that everything's encrypted these days. Um, can we do a more or less flash poll on the point of the public web being dead? <laughs> um, it's clearly dead. So does that make me a more in on that? I'm no, more I'm in on pretty sure that's a detractor, so Sam. <laughs> are you more or less on the public web? Sam is less. I'm less. Britt, what are you on the public web? Uh, you can cross party lines. I, I think I'm less because I've had I've been scarred by content and media. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely by. less. Oh, damn, you're <gasps> shit. Okay. We're all on the next, same page. That up. never happens. You're all okay, lessons. You're Yay! all lessons. On this. Okay, we're welcome. That statistically you to the dark means side. we're probably, for what it's worth, if we're all in agreement, we're almost certainly wrong. <laughs> but, um, but I think like on this one, it's like pretty obvious that like the public web has been dying for twenty years, and like AI is is the death is like dead. Yeah, it's over. AI is the death now. We'll, we'll have a separate segment on AI use cases of the week. But I, I tell you, this is really a, it's getting crazy out there. Okay, any more thoughts on APIs, social media models? data, where it's going, private groups. I think look, we're every, just... Everything's going private. And I think the irony is, is like, look, every, this entire generation of AI models, from my perspective, has basically all been illegally trained, right? It's like, there's all sorts of rumors that are flying on the tech community about how a lot of the kind of more image-based, uh, uh, you know, large language mo- large models, et cetera, were all trained on movies illicitly, right? Um, I don't think I was confirmed that, subtitles. but... Yeah. yeah, everyone's just taking all the Western movies and subtitles and trained on it. And, like, that seems problematic. You know, the reality is, is like, <laughs> problematic AI, would be an understatement. And, like, it, the question is when that, if it's true and if it ever comes out and how it would come out and legal discovery, et cetera. There's That's a the question, question I have, though, about that. Like, so definitely it's the Wild West. You've called it the Napster era, Sam. I think that's very smart. I think that's right. Oh, it will you. change. Everyone knows this. But, like, the information I have a story today about how YouTube is potentially very valuable to Google in terms of building and continuing to refine its models. The same piece pointed out that OpenAI had used YouTube to train their models. Hmm. And so one of my questions is actually like, what is the shelf life of like, how important is any one of these sources? Um, And also like, what's the sort of sustained advantage over it over time? And like someone who's really smart basically said, they think that in the future, the like frontier models, like the best of the best. So right now, OpenAI, Anthropic, et cetera, 
are maybe going to be like six months ahead of all the other models, mm. including like open source. And that's kind of mind blowing. On what vector, <laughs> I guess, is the question, because, yeah. you know, when you get into the math of these things, the numbers just get really, really, really big, dependent on how you look at you know, the, the model like the performance and, of the model, you mean, or nah, not necessarily the performance, but like what you're trying to do with the model and how yeah. much language you're trying to look at, you know, if you're just looking at it as like, Oh, we're going to look at the 40 or 50,000 words that, uh, you know, make up the English language. And you're looking at that, like squared, you get to like pretty big, you know, amounts of texts, but you know, if you're going to use 200 billion words, <laughs> to train the thing. And then, you know, if you get into like really tokenizing things like in like really complex ways, I mean, you create so much data that we don't have enough language generated on earth to, you know, uh, get into decoding these things. So So, it's just kind of a like really interesting question whether or not more and more and more is really going to matter. So here's a few thoughts. One is, you know, again, like I think the interesting thing with OpenAI and this whole like Wild West, we'll see how it plays out legally thing is like, you know, the whole, oh, we're a nonprofit, we're a for-profit, scraping all of YouTube to create a competitive product with Google. <laughs> like, you replay that, and you're like, wild, right? You're like, oh, you know, had they been, <laughs> you know, if they had been like, hi, we're OpenAI, we're a for-profit company that's going to, like, release a thing and partner with Microsoft, we're going to scrape all of YouTube and, like, do that, like, Google would have fucking lost its mind, right? But as it is, it's like, add eh, some weird research, let them play with it, we're all computer scientists. And then you turn around, and it's like, it's like shame on someone for, for screwing that one up, right? And then I think I think the question about language size will really come down to like vertical domains, right? Like everyone's going to have a pretty good general model and like, you know, you train on different things. Yeah. There's enough big, you know, sets out there. It's all fine. But like, you know, when you want to get into the diesel, this is why everyone's going to shut down every API imaginable. It's going to be a, a data holy war is yeah. like if you actually have differentiated data, Right, that would be useful for a specific domain getting answers through a large language model or refining a model or whatever. Like all of a sudden, like you're very aware that's super valuable, and you're going to get super litigious as you should to protect that, right? Um, because that's really you know the idea that you can just pony up and and scrape something for academic purposes is I think yeah. over. Do you guys remember? And then we're going to move on to venture capital because I get to face off against Ooh. three venture capitalists. Mm. So I'm very excited about this. But like <laughs> if do you guys remember when Viacom sued YouTube? Right, you were probably yeah. working. Oh, were you working at Google? Yeah, I was at Google in 2009. Like a long, 10. long time ago, but it was sort of like it was the watershed case for copyrighted content right. on YouTube and music. I mean, and, all the music YouTube studios also sued YouTube. And, yeah, and yeah, music. and so now yeah, you can yeah. use up to a certain and amount like, of like 30 just, seconds and 15 seconds of certain clips, and you know. I mean, even YouTube creators got sued. Like it went like two orders of magnitude down the chain. Yeah, and that was like a huge moment. So like, let's someone go do that for AI. Well, and the problem Times and the, News Corp. Well, I don't care. Well, the, some the, of pro- you guys the problem is that, the problem is that all this AI stuff is effectively information laundering, right? Because you can't really point to where the sources came from, and any, people are yeah. trying to figure out ways to do that. But it's like kind of antithetical to the technology. So the real difference is, is like. 
oh, it's like clearly a Taylor Swift song. It's 30 seconds, fine. There's some ad deal, whatever. But like, this is literally like take all the data you can get, launder it, mix it all together, tumble it around, and then give back great answers on an API. And it's going to be a really different set of legal battles because it's yeah. super hard to pin, right? Yeah, it's pretty um, fascinating. Well, it's, it's hard to pin because nothing that's happening inside of the box is actually words. It's all numbers. Like to me, that's what's so wild. Well, it's also just hard to pin. Yeah, I mean, there's just... Yeah. It's anyway. predicting the next most likely word. I mean, it's crazy. Well, um, the next, next most likely, most likely series or... of words. Yeah. Yes. Or a f- series of fragments of words. You know, it's just like a really, it's really wild. The point I'm is, sure it's just we'll be talking about it a lot. So let's move on. To it's that. literally yeah. like Actually, a Bitcoin we're tumbler. To, we're going to be an AI every, every episode. Oh it's my a God. Bitcoin tumbler. <laughs> yeah. More or less AI. Um, so, Britt, how's the venture <laughs> capital business these I days? I would say, like, not good to quite not good. Uh, it's, well, I mean, I think growth stage venture capital is particularly hurting. We saw this week that, you know, firms like TCV and Insight came out and sort of lowered their expectations of what they are trying to raise. And these are these are firms that have been around for many, many years and have, you know, a lot of great track records and performance data on them. But yeah, it's just tough right now. Um, the one thing I will say that was really interesting um, Dave, maybe it's okay if I bring this up. We did a call recently with a with uh, an LP type who um, made a good point that the structure of financial investors is sort of changing with the baby boomer generation retiring. And one thing I thought that was really interesting and maybe potentially hopeful, despite like the terribleness that's happening in venture right now with LPs, is that. $84 trillion of wealth are about to come online into like family offices and all kinds of sort of, um, you know, financial accounts from mm. these baby boomers. And so the, the market is actually going to be larger than like PE and VC combined over the next 10 years. And I, you know, it makes me that's money that's money flooding into that's the private transfer, network transfer. from yeah, family, offices. family offices. And so, yeah. But it doesn't have to go to private. No, it can tech. go to anything private. No, no, it's just, I think like, those are really interesting macro signals that I think change the nature of like how VC and private equity work, uh, the size of funds. And then I think AI on top of that is conflating how how much like a seed round or a growth round needs to be, how smaller teams are going to get yeah. 10x more done. And Oh my God. Don't and, even get me started. No, no let's get you started. started. Go, go, Dave, go. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I was talking about this on our text thread, but I just think that it's so intellectually dishonest to announce a $100 million seed round. And it, it's like this, you know, do not pass go, do not find product market fit, go straight to series C or D. Uh, the laws of organization building do not apply to me, you know, sort of situation where people are, you know, just because AI you know, a DGX uh, H100 costs a lot of money and it costs a lot of money to train these big models. People are coming out with these enormous seed rounds and calling them seed rounds. And I, I just think that uh, we need a little bit more intellectual honesty in the ecosystem. That, like you can't Dave, call that a seed round. this is not just an AI round. fallacy. Like this happened in crypto and Web3. It happened with fucking Adam Newman, who like went on to raise another $300 million <laughs> right out the gate. Like uh, by the, like... Well, I'm pointing at a very specific thing, which is That's calling these seed rounds. And I think that... Does it yeah. matter what you're calling? I mean, just like... That, that's sort of a term of art for you people and for pitch book, Yeah, but right? the, the, his I mean, point is that there's nothing, yeah, there's I mean, no revenue, fair. there's no like product market fit. And so, you know, 
it's just higher stakes, you know, at the end of the day. And I think, frankly, it's it's not where most seed investors' well, interests lie. I don't Come know. On, Sam. I, I just think, well, a few things. One is like, look, I mean, 18, over a year ago, I wrote this kind of thing I have left on my Twitter for a year, which is just like the capital pipeline is like obviously broken in private tech and it's there's yeah. no clear way for it to be fixed. It's yeah. broken because... You know, the entire people got really excited over the last decade. Not, you know, every once in a while you get a Facebook, get some home run, but there seemed like there was this kind of like cr- turn the crank little stepping stone thing you could do, and that the public market would eventually buy three to twelve billion dollar IPOs of things, right? DTC companies, digital health companies, whatever. And so you started being like, oh, like every stage can kind of back into what they can pay, and you can kind of create a little choo choo train of capital, right? Which yeah. you know, people like seed investors like us, we we're like, oh. Our job is basically try to find a home run every once in a while we really believe in. But short of that, like we can be part of the ecosystem. Like we will basically put up two million bucks in, three million bucks in to in 18 months serve on a platter to the Series A firms X, which they will then take and put money in and mark up and take and put money in and mark up all the way through. Turns out that doesn't really work, right? Um, it, and like, or it did for a hot second, but then all those IPOs collapsed, and there was no acquisition market in the few billion dollar range, etc. So I actually think it's mostly a return to normalcy, right? Which is like this: like there was a bunch of things that happened in the last decade. Largely, it was almost like it was almost like the two thousand, the pr- nineteen ninety nine, except for rather than being a public market, there was like a private capital ecosystem that was doing the same thing, mm. um, and everyone kind of got very technical about how to approach this, and like. There'll always be great companies. There'll always be great companies at seed where some founders like, look, with two, three million dollars, I can turn over a card and figure something out. Not, you know, not obvious, which could turn into a big business. Like, I, I think it's fine. I just think like the 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 train tracky version of the private capital tech markets is dead. And the problem is that a lot of firms designed their thesis and like the way they're approaching investing over the last many years to just fit on that like that like conveyor belt. And yeah. there's going to be a lot of pain, right, um, coming off I'm of that. I'm really interested in the – I mean, when you talk about the external stuff, it's like it's a cycle. And we know where we are in the cycle, and it proves to be a cycle, and cycles I'm change. Not, I don't think it's a cycle. I think we're just in a new – I think we, like – I think we, we are in a new – we're in an epoch. 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 It's just it's the game is over. The game is over, right? The like, whole game is over, but there will be a new game. No, no more. Eventually, game? no, there'll yeah. be a new game, but no one knows exactly. What, I don't think anyone here, I mean, or really in general, knows what it is. Selling Tiger, you're you know getting them to market De- or SoftBank soft or whatever. So, um, and I think the um, but but what you hit on, Sam, I think the inside some of these larger firms, we're really starting to see some of the like reevaluation cracks changes. And again, there aren't enough people in these firms to then say like, Oh, they're going to be massive layoffs or anything. Cause there won't be, but you know, the information reported that Andreessen has combined its consumer and FinTech teams. And that may seem really mm-hmm. insignificant, but it's actually very significant because what these teams represent are power centers and partners who've got carry in their own universe. And they get to kind of mark their bets. And when things are going well, they get to eat their own pie and get a bigger piece of it. But when things aren't going well, then other people are sort of like, wait, why am I, you know, why am I measured to his pie? And it's, you know, a lot of pie shifting seems to be. I I think, but I think the other thing that signals is like, look, we got to a point where all the, the big bulge brackety VC firms 
they basically were just trying to come up with as many products as they possibly could, yeah. right? And then yeah. either telling LPs, hey, if you want to play in our really good stuff, you got to give us money for all these things to yeah. increase AUM. Yeah. Or, yeah. or they're saying to, you know, to, to basically, oh, there's a conveyor belt for each of these and we know what it is and we're going to slot in. Throw all that out. And we're back to where VC really is and what, what it it's honestly is, which is at the core, it's contrarian, early shit that when you flip cards, you're right on. And ideally, you're flipping cards in a market in a way where, like, if you're really right, you're really, really right, right? But that doesn't scale. That isn't the, what we ended up with. And, you know, it, the industry is, I think, going to get eviscerated with very few survivors in the next, you know, five to ten years, just as people run out of capital, I also think that um, whether, whether it's a company or a VC firm, like, so many of these companies and firms are overinflated with people as headcount. And to Sam's point, like Andreessen is a good point. Like there's so there's a lot of people, they all do different things and it's awesome. And you've got like a fucking army, you know, as a founder, but like, especially with this new advent of all this AI infrastructure, like, I think that a lot of companies will just stay smaller and still be able to produce like as much, if not more as what they could before. And I think the impact of that beyond, um, you know, the economic question of like that for the firm itself or the company itself is like culturally people will actually maybe have tighter bonds to one another inside of a company. Like a lot of founders hate getting past a hundred employees because they start to like forget people's names. Right. And they can't have close relationships with them. And I I think there's something really special and magical about building like sub 50 and even like sub 20 person companies and firms. And so to the extent that there might be more of those, or you don't need to grow that big. And that's one of the promises that a lot of venture capital firms have going for them, like that might be a really cool thing, um, for the future of like what a business looks like. Maybe, but I mean, I'll just push on for a second. I mean, I actually think what's going to happen is like, we're going to have so many zombie companies for the next decade, right. Of people who are like, they've yeah. done fine. They make enough money to keep going. Their VCs want them to keep going, but they're not ever going to get to the point. They're super attractive. Public market things are acquirable. And like, I actually think like, look, of all the things like those types of companies, those small ones, rarely do they need VC, right? They look more like my wife's, like Jessica's business, the information, which is great. (laughs) My wife, the other lesson. No, it's like, I mean, that's, that's a great, a great $0 (laughs) VC story, right? Which is like, you know, at least I'll say that I think media and VC has always been a ridiculous combination. Like media, VC should not invest in media companies, right? Ever. Right. And, you know, I think (laughs) I did not agree many years ago now agree, (laughs) but also like a lot has changed since then, Sam. So like today in today's world, correct. Well, yeah, what's, what's changed, what's, what's changed is every media company that took VC with the exception of some smart maneuvers by you, right. has debt, right? So I, I just don't think those things mix. And I think the reality is there will be a lot of great 20-person companies. I think there'll be a, a lot of people who, in the next generation, can own those companies, make great businesses, pay their employees while build great cultures. Can I, can I make a point that... Bets, uh, you, right? The, those well, are, that's on. a different The $100 million seed round that this. was just raised is more than the current $85 million market cap of BuzzFeed. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> What is this company? Let what's let's let, let the view, listener, what's it called? the people, Mistral? know wh- which company are we talking about that raised a hundred million dollar seed round? Or are we making a general? It's a general statement, statement but I think it was like, what is it? Mistral is what it's called. Yeah, there was some. Uh, it, it was floating around. Oh, yeah, yeah I mean, people. and maybe it's going to be awesome. But like, but that, all of these. Look, the thing about that, though, just to push on that one, I, I don't actually know the details, about, and someone will comment and tell me I'm wrong on this, but I believe that deal was an interesting one because 
actually they gave up a huge percentage of the business, right? And it actually looks a lot more like a like what are we talking deal. about? Fifty percent. I just remember there being a massive amount of dilution. It was not a twenty percent dilution round, right? Hmm. It was a more of like, and that's an interesting one because look, you do have these comp- these firms. You know, if you're sitting on a few billion dollars right now of dollars to deploy into VC, how are you going to do that, right? Like, it's like yeah. there's unless you're yeah. willing to buy the AI bullshit at scale, right? Like, you kind of just want to throw a bunch of chips into a few rounds, and if you're going to own enough, it's not really a traditional VC deal, right? It's, it's more point. of a P, it's more of a PE deal, right? Point. But it's like it's a very different vector than like what seed right. investing is, right? Um, well, Sam, and to go back to your point about the the zombie land that we are headed into right now, um, one of the things that we've been talking a lot about it offline is how do you build products, not companies, and put small amounts of capital to work to build a product into a product market fit situation? Uh, so we're doing a lot of this in our studio where we're trying to effectively stand up products, ensure they have product market fit before we're even getting founders and company building going into the game so that we don't end up with a bunch of zombie projects that have, you know, a bu- too much capital, too much emotional investment from the founding team that just kind of drift on into the future because they feel like they should rather than either giving the money back or just shutting it down and moving on to the next project. Like, I think that to me, this is a conversation that um, we should be having a lot more rigorous intellectual debate about, which is like in these earliest stages, meaning like seed, pre-seed, there's actually a lot of nuance around how do you build products that get product market fit and not drift off into the future and become a zombie that then gets all of this capital that you're talking about crammed into it and makes it even worse. Um, I do think, yeah, I think the problem also, Dave is like, look on the flip side, it's like, there's a lot of things that are good products, but bad businesses, right. Yeah, or bad absolutely. companies. And so it's like, it's like an interesting thing where like, to me, seed is all about de-risking a few key bets, which if you're right about then unlocks a very, very large story. Right. Potentially. Right. And so yeah, I, think, like, I guess that's what I define caught. as product market fit. You know, like to me, like once it's fit into the market, that means there is very large story, very large business to be discovered. Yeah. yeah. I just it's not always clear to me that the product is the thing you need to de-risk. Right. Or like it depends. It depends how you define these things. Like there's a lot of products yeah. you can build. Some of which you and I have invested in together. Great products. Ultimately terrible businesses. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're almost at How many of those back. lessons have we learned? We should, we should go through that one here. episode. Oh, all lessons, the lessons. shitty products? No, all yeah, the just like the sheer all, number. All yeah. the number of products that Dave and I have funded that were great fucking products and terrible businesses. Most of them happened on ski trips, right? Like most of them. I well, think I'll, give you, I'll, give no. you, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you. This don't list name, is I'll, long and storied. Yeah. I, I will okay. only name one name on this because we could name many, but I'll name one because I know they won't mind me naming it, which is I put the first money into Venmo, right? And I think it's Dave, you and I. I was there. We were sitting at the great, table. Great, great product. You know, Cortina's yeah. a dear friend. Ikram's a dear friend. Love them. They will tell you, as will I. Great fucking product. Terrible fucking business. Yeah. yeah it's true. Although, I yeah. know every day. I mean, that was like amazing. Yeah, we all do. Um, you can okay, send your money so, to slash Sam. <laughs> I'm, Split it yeah. between slash, slash Dave Brittany. and slash Sam. Jessica, Brittany, that's not proof Brit. that yeah. Sam really was the first one. That, that was a deal done at the Breslin Hotel or at the Ace Hotel New York. If I oh, remember the correctly. Bar. I yeah, stayed the there recently. Hasn't changed. Hasn't changed. Um, okay. The rules of engagement for the lightning round. 
Um, and we're workshopping these, so we'll, we'll, we'll iterate a little bit. But I have two topics, one serious, one not. And I think uh, we just have to go around and kind of say when you're, whether in favor of more of it or less of it. So um, serious one, Google's getting another big uh, antitrust slap, this time from the EU, focused on the search business. I feel like I've been covering this topic since before I could walk. And, <laughs> but also, it's worth talking about because this fall soon um, is the DOJ case is going to trial. And this is over the core of the search business, the competitiveness of it, um, as well as actually the more parts of the ads business. So there's nothing to do with like newfangled stuff like AI, but really um, competitiveness in ads and search. Um, I guess the question is, do we think we want more of this kind of regulation or is, has the ship sailed and it's time to just move lesson, on? Lesson, lesson, fighting last year generation's wars. Also, Europe always has terrible regulation. <laughs> okay, Dave. Uh, I think it's pretty hard to uh, claim that the digital advertising market is not a dynamic market when, I, what, what, I don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head, but Amazon came into this market like in the last five years yeah, and gained something like 10 or 15 percent market yeah. share. I mean, so it, it's like pretty hard to look at that and say that um, this market, you know, is a monopoly market um, that can't be moved. So <gasps> less. Oh, shit. I feel like yeah. it, it's on me to be more, but I'm, I'm but I'm the ex Googler yeah, here. Okay. And I feel like I need to be like, yeah. I'm like Google for life. Yeah, um, uh, you know, and as someone who has obviously played in the digital media realm and digital advertising realm, you know, it's 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 frustrating that Google has as big of a piece of the pie as they do. But it makes it's like they they have a need for it. They, it's what they do well. It's like I think they're innovating really well. I'm actually, by the way, team Bard now. Um, and and I'm total team Bard. Total team Bard. And Love so it. I'm less in here as well. I just say, like, we got to move forward like there's enough, there's enough competition and Google needs to sail onward. I don't know where I am. Isn't that hard? I'm so opinionated usually. I mean, I agree. You should be more in because it's good for your business if the, if the case yeah, gets bigger. I mean, that's why I'm kind of like going to hold down <laughs> a little bit of like the publishing industry here and say more in, more in with an asterisk because I don't think like, like header. Bidding. Okay, fine. I changed my perspective. Like, I'm more into, like, I'm going to go team publisher rather than <laughs> team Google. I'm with you, Jess. I just, I'm like in favor for the government doing more smart regulation. I don't think the right posture here is to say the ship has sailed, but I also think like you have to look ahead. So like we need to find a way. But that's, a great, that's, a, but that's a great 2020, whatever, uh, like presidential slogan is like more smart regulation instead of yeah. hope. Just like, <laughs> just need, like better, more, but less yeah. complicated. Right. And I don't know. AI is kind of, the next turn of the wheel chance to do this. It does not seem to be going particularly well, but, um, no, although I mean, the EU well, did make a move today, I just respect they? the EU um, by the way, for AI? like coming out on yeah. all this. Like I just, I'm like the EU is just fucking cracking down left and right on all kinds of things. And I'm kind of, yeah, that's, you know why? Cause they have no tech companies. I just right? respect, so like, I just respect them for it. Down. I'm like, at least it's they're like, like doing shit. Like, <laughs> I don't know. 
absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I was talking to a European VC last week that was raising money, raising money for a seed stage fund, and I said, "Who's the who's the biggest uh, European LP that you have?" And he said, "What European LPs?" <laughs> yeah. But guys, Andreessen's moving to London. The oh, firms, really? Crypto mm. bets or oh, something. Right. No, they're opening yeah. a headquarters. Good it's Instagram's offices. So, I hear it's, I guess it's not. Not for LPs. We know that. Um, okay. So that was, a, now here's a fun one. Um, a new Beatles song. Thanks to AI. Um, I'm are we more into that? This was recorded and, by the Guardian. And Paul McCartney, like, like made this happen. Like, you know, I, this, I was wondering though, like, so you had to get like Yoko Ono's sign off because John Lennon's deceased to like recreate his voice. Um, so it's like interesting yeah. to me that the wife, well, I think like Sean was involved. Well, there was a lot of people. Do involved. I get control of your voice when you Which die, Sean? Dave? Like Sean do I Lennon. get control of Dave's oh. voice when he dies? <laughs> Am I? Well, I don't know. We're going to have to talk about I'll that. Is. The will. I might have to give I'm, Sam and Jess Sarah like secondary, you know, some I think, kind of I think spouses should control your voice mm-hmm. and then that I can do weird shit with Dave's voice when he dies. So that's why I'm more in. <laughs> uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll I actually, it'll be very funny. I actually liked it for what it's worth. This gives me a good idea. I am more in on this. I think it's fun. seems like harmless. It's going to happen anyway. Who cares? Here's the idea I have, Britt, is, you know, I'm actually, you know, you can buy death oh. rights of people. Right. What? Death rights are this Third big. Incubation. Oh, it's a really cool market. This is Third such a Sam Lesson idea. <laughs> this is so, such a Sam Lesson idea. It, here, here's basically how it works. It's like, okay, you're some musician. You're you're old, right? You can't do anything money once your money once you're dead. So some PE firm comes to you and says, 10 years before you die, let me buy your death rights because I know album sales are going to go through the roof when you die. There's going to be all sorts of merch opportunities. But you're not dead yet. I'll give you the money now, but then I get it all when you're dead, right? And so mm. I actually think a platform. What about your your ancestors. I mean, not your ancestors. Next step, Ken. Uh, your... Next step, well, Ken. Cash. I mean, you know, you can, <laughs> it, look. Yeah, no, so it's, it's good. You, you want, want to the pay cash taxes now. earlier and then Whatever. invest it. Yeah, so my kids would totally compound. sell my rights. So like, they just the, want the money the, now. The, <laughs> so the the basic point is, I actually, I you know, there are a bunch of companies out there trying to like get music artists today to like sell they're like voice rights for AI. Here's the incubation. The incubation slow plus offline is we start the death right version of that. And we just let people, we buy anyone's bright, anyone's voice for 10 bucks. Right. And like, we'll buy, and we, we'll buy, you know, anyone, and we go, we'll negotiate for bigger ones, but we only buy the death rights and just wait How for people to die. This is like the inversion of your other dream, which is the life capital and getting equity. No, they're perfectly, it's perfect fusion. This is the city. And when they die, when they we die, this will be like Little Mermaid, hedge. where we send them a necklace with like their voice in the necklace, and it's like a tribute to them dying, and we have their voice. <laughs> of course. Wow, that's see, that's that's well, that's where you and I and Dave we start differing about what the product is. We start. With. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is just swag. This is just swag for the company, Sam. It's part of the marketing. It's like, God, come on. This is very good. It's like, yeah. it's like if you, you if you guys incubate the death necklace of the person's voice, Listen, like the you, Little you Mermaid live I'll action just came out. It's having a comeback. I think it's really top of mind, and I feel like this could be a great like marketing strategy to getting people excited. Well, for what it's worth, if I would, I'd be really into Disney suing you over doing that as a product because you're you know, Disney can't the sue me for shit um, <laughs> for making a voice necklace. Okay. I, I, but also, Dave, we have to just, we have to round it out. More or less, Beatles AI, Lennon.ai. I think it's pretty cool. 
when uh, I saw this, you know, just the idea that you could recreate a voice as iconic as Lennon's um, and that it would actually achieve a level of quality that McCartney and Sean Lennon, his son, and, you know, the, all the various people involved think yeah. it actually works. Like, yeah. that's that's pretty cool. Like, that's a cool moment in time. You know, all these rights issues, you know, I thought what oh Grimes God, guys, just reminded, sorry, continue. I thought what Grimes did was really cool. Um, I think that there's got to be some cool, you know, I don't know, intersection of uh, blockchain and, you know, something here where you you should be able to, like, write a smart contract around your voice or your entire catalog and, you know, give people access to go make things with it. Like, that Once just makes die. sense to me. Once you die, Sam, will listen to the product, me, but I'm with you. You guys remember that, who was the thing the dead person that the who we created we society created an avatar of? Maybe he didn't die. Well, like ever, tons of people have done this. I no, mean, they, but he I, was like famous, and then he delivered Tupac? like an awards store. That was it, right? Tupac. And, yeah, it was Tupac, and that was like supposedly this moment. And I just. I think it'd be really fun to like, I mean, you had Luke Skywalker in the Mandalorian, right? Like a year ago, that was the other one of these when they, they put Luke Skywalker. I'm just, I'm less excited about like John Lennon and more excited about like Vladimir Lennon, like, you know, get him to create some, some trouble. That'd be more fun. Okay, I just don't know if that's where you want to end. It's because we're watching a great show. Actually, let's plug the show. show Wasn't it true? I'll have to look it up, but. There was some anthropologist that uh, also reconstructed a voice of somebody like you know, using their vocal, you know. A, a, I think yeah, it was, it was like a simulation. I mean, look, the people have done this one-off for a long time. People have been doing this with voices and putting on YouTube and being worried about people faking Obama's voice for 20 years. Like, it's yeah. it's now much better and easier to do, but it's not like, you know, this isn't new. They could have done, done the Beatles album years ago. It's just a good PR moment. Yeah, I agree. I think it's cool. Um, but wait, Sam, what's the show we're watching that got you thinking about Lennon? I don't. What's the? It's a great show. What's the name of it? <laughs> Clearly, it's it left a big mark internet. on you. It's Hold like on. a friend, a, 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 a spy friend. among friends. A friend. We'll get better at this friends. and have these things pulled up a for it. Spy yeah. among friends. Which network or streaming channel? This show is brought to you by. Who, who um, cares, we, Brent? We go, we go through the Google TV to the Amazon app. Oh, and Google then it TV was my product. In Hulu. It's, it's like... I'm glad you use Google TV. There you go. It works. And, it, and it's... And like to be clear, we use a Samsung TV that somehow is preloaded with Google that then how... Oh, it's a Sony TV. It's like 18 layers You're of welcome software. For that. You're and then sometimes it loads. Yeah, and none of them work. Yeah. And then two Wi-Fi <laughs> networks break down. You re-log yeah. Well, in. I removed one of them. So now we only have one primary Wi-Fi. You're welcome. Um, this is fun, guys. We covered a lot of territory. Um, had some debates. Had some agreements. Um, any message to the listeners? Thanks for listening to the pod. We'll put some of the articles in the show notes because yeah. I think that's what people do. Um, but tell us if there are other pod-like things that we should How do, do we do an affiliate program? I love the idea of an affiliate program, but I'm not sure what we should do it for. Yeah, sure. Great. If, you, you, send this, if you send this podcast to someone and use the code something, <laughs> you're going to get like a Casper mattress. <laughs> <laughs> we'll send you some Venmo dollars. Um, and and some, some vitamins and supplements. Definitely some supplements. Um, yeah, well, let's. this is a good thing to figure out before next week. Oh, how about we put this on the... Yeah, exactly. Or if you have ideas this, on how to do that, let's crowdsource it, this, you guys. Yeah. So if anyone out there listening wants to well, help yeah, us we, dream up our affiliate program, we'll cut you in on some of the profits. So pitch us. 
talking like 0.1%. Well, I guess that's the point of it. Let me, let me tell you, the profits are enormous. <laughs> the, pro- the gravy train. Dave, what was that great Twitter account you created for us too? Should we plug that? Yeah, more or less pod. Okay, follow us at more or less pod. Um, we're getting up on the new apps. We're not on the Google pod yet because I forgot that one existed, but we'll keep working on it. Um, and Although yeah, we are on all the others, right? We're on Spotify, Anchor, on Spotify all these things. Spotify and Apple. And mm. Our TikTok sure channel will come soon. It out. Um, so I get cool. to that, I go through, I go to my Sony TV through Google Play <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> into Hulu, right? Yeah, exactly. And then you'll find us four menus deep. Um, great, guys. All right, Enjoy see you the next rest time. of the week.